Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I want to speak to you today about the scandal of insisting on the right to be wrong. This past week in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Prime Minister Ralph Gonzalez was struck on the head by a missile thrown by a woman as he walked towards the parliament building where they were debating the passing of laws to make it mandatory for a certain category of workers to take the COVID vaccine as a condition for returning to work. Prime Minister Gonzalez suffered a concussion and was hospitalized in Barbados, but has since been released from hospital. There is, of course, a reading of this incident as an attempt by the political opposition in St. Vincent and the Grenadines to steal power by the route of an assassination, which means that this was an attempt on the life of the Prime Minister. However, I think there are at least two broader perspectives beyond the local politics, which this incident invites us to consider. The first is that this is as good an example as any of people insisting on utilizing their right to be wrong, which is common, which is a common feature of life. The anti-vaccine movement in the face of the third COVID pandemic wave is not so much about science as it is about people's right to be obstinate. It does not matter that anti-vaccine insistence is taking place in Europe, in America, or that it is taking place in the Caribbean. We all acknowledge that COVID has altered our lives perhaps irrevocably, and that there is no cure for the virus or even really effective treatment. Any evidence of any mitigation of the pandemic has only been shown to be the case in the take-up of the vaccine. The end of the COVID pandemic depends on the percentage of the population that are vaccinated. No other alternative has presented itself as effective. However, there are people who insist they will not take the vaccine. This is despite evidence that indicate that unvaccinated people, persons are driving up the rate of new COVID infections and that their bodies provide a home for the virus to develop new, more infectious 
and deadly strains of the virus, the insistence on their right to be wrong by the anti-vaccine people is not a new thing. What is new is its virulence and its passion. The violence directed against the St. Vincent and the Grenadines Prime Minister Gonzalves took place in the precincts of their parliament building, the symbol of national sovereignty and the center of its democracy. It was in the context of a debate within the legislature. It may be true that the fact that the government had numbers on its side of the house means that the motion was likely to, su to succeed. Nevertheless, this was a space to nuance the amendments, to uh, the arguments and to make amendments and ensuring due process of lawmaking. Violence in that context is unnecessary and that throwback to a pre-civilization era and it is to cast doubt on the value and validity of the legislative and democratic processes, which cannot be in the interest of the St. Vincent and the Grenadines people. This act of violence was directed against the leader of the people, a four-term prime minister, an icon of Caribbean political leadership, a distinguished fellow, who has shown himself to love his people in St. Vincent and the Grenadines throughout his long public career, a peach of a human being. And coming so close on the heels of the assassination of the president of Haiti, this violence against his person of the prime minister, of the person of the prime minister, cannot be a good omen for the Caribbean. Yet the insistence on their right to be wrong was not reverent enough to give due regard to the people's house or the people's leader or to renew their faith in the aspirations of the people for the entrenchment of the rule of law in their country by the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. This insistence on the right to be wrong takes place everywhere, every day, and in every way amongst us. Drunk driving is a form of the insistence on the right to be wrong. So also gluttonous eating for the obese, or cigarette smoking, or imbibing hard drugs, and so many acts of personal and communal recklessness. People do not want to be advised or warned and still less do they want to be prevented from doing what they want to do, even if they know it is wrong. In the instant case, COVID has had terrifying effects on persons, especially those with comorbidities. And it has begun to have even very adverse effect on younger and younger people. We are now in the midst of the third COVID wave with multiple fatalities in Jamaica. We know that the unvaccinated are at particular risk and if they get the virus, it, is both, it both provides a space for new variants to develop 
and also increase the risk of further contagion for others and further spikes. Despite this, they are resistant to state action to mandate the taking of vaccination. They are insisting on their right to be wrong, even if that wrong endangers the lives of others as well. In a context where the idea of being obligated to secure the interests and welfare of one's neighbor is depleting, how must we account for the insistence on the right to be wrong? I would like to suggest that the deepening of the insistence on their right to be wrong did not happen just like that. It is especially itself the product of a deepening cynicism and lack of trust in official action and official sources of information. And it is the depletion of social capital. The time I first noticed this, it was the so-called Y2K bug of 2000. As the century turned, there was a hoax perpetrated that there was going to be a computer systems crash to coincide with the international date change. In order to prevent this crash, companies and individuals were urged, if not forced, to change out their ICT systems and to get, among other things, new computers. As it turned out, that international hoax was a ruse to induce billions and billions of dollars of new spending and to stimulate a telecoms bubble. That bubble crashed in 2008 with the collapse of the international financial system. They told the public a lie in order to get the public to spend unnecessarily new money and to fund their greed. There is a way in which the entire approach to the COVID pandemic has been interpreted as a chapter two of the Y2K bomb. People believe that the leak from Wuhan was intentional in order to create the entire COVID pandemic with the ultimate aim of creating new lines of business and as a ruse to force new spending. If that was not the case with the origin of the pandemic, they certainly believe it to be the case with the vaccines. Mandating vaccines they see as driving up global demand and they are just guinea pigs. They are refusing to be taken for a ride again. Still worse, they believe perhaps without justification that the vaccines are some kind of mind control mechanisms that will ultimately show itself. I get emails from very determined people every day pushing this line. They are refusing to be sitting ducks, they say. This is far-fetched, but it is what happens when trust is eroded and savage and people go from the sublime to the ridiculous. May I suggest three bits of counsel and advice from the Jewish and script Christian scriptures by which we ought to be restrained and guide ourselves in the face of these remarkable challenges posed upon us by the COVID-19 pandemic and the matters arising. 
The first is taken from Psalm 139 in the Old Testament, where it says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made as the works of God's hands. The second is like the first, from the first epistle to the Corinthians. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the third bit of advice is taken from John's Gospel, John chapter 8, where it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I would like to suggest that in all matters, we should default to placing a high value on ourselves. The human person is not merely expendable as if they are replaceable. They are gifts from God on whom God places great value and great importance. They are therefore a stewardship entrusted to us for which we are obligated to ensure the highest return on investment. We should make the most of what we are and what we have received, both our talents and our lifetime, and I dare say our health. One of the most valuable things we have is our health, and you never know how irreplaceable it is until you have lost it. Take care of yourself. Take care of your health. There is no adequate substitute for good health. Do not believe any conspiracy theories that cause you to trifle with your good health. The upshot of both the psalm and the epistle is that we should treat ourselves well and do not allow anything or anyone to convince us otherwise. Something else that is required from us from the advice of scripture in these times when so much is uncertain is that we should default towards the truth. We live in a time in which truth has become something invented and made up. The age of social media has coincided or has produced the manufactured truth. So there is nothing that is essentially true. There is a tweaking, a substituting, a more palatable version that is available. This has made our generation particularly vulnerable, first in politics, now in public health. We can always find another good pseudoscientist to tell us something else that we prefer to believe rather than endure the unpleasant version of the truth that we do not believe. If you live for bargains, there will be someone selling you snake oil. At some point, you will have to develop the capacity to discern real value and real substance. So trust has broken down and social capital has been depleted. But the effect will cut both ways, both on those seeking to be trusted and on those seeking something on which to rely. We and our communities are both at risk because of falsehood, counterfeits, and untruths. It is in our interest to live by, to live on, and to live for the truth.
it is time therefore that as a matter of course and as a matter of personal discipline we become more discerning the skill of discernment of deciphering what is accurate and what is truth and what and and when details match and coincide and correlate with reality is an approach that we should all adopt. We may need to begin with our social media account. We should start by refusing to post what we cannot verify and what does not ring true. That may be a good place to begin because so soon as we begin to make light of making up the truth, so soon we begin to leave ourselves open to be manipulated by untruth and be led down the garden path. The other thing is to challenge those who lead us to come clean with us rather than manipulate us with double speak, with disinformation and with misinformation. The whole truth and nothing but the truth is what we ought to require. Let us demand a higher standard of truth and hold those who lead us accountable for full information. Let us hold their feet to the fire for what they tell us. And I think more than the discernment, we need the diligence to get to the bottom of things and to connect the dots. We need to pay attention to make the connection and to bring to the table the relevant information and perspectives of the past. It is my view that in the difficulties we are experiencing in getting people to take the virus, this difficulty is causing the pandemic to overstay its welcome and deepening its presence amongst us. It is not just social peace and public health that are at risk. There is a distortion of value with people insisting on asserting their right to be wrong. It is also the savaging of social trust that has brought us to this moment. In order to rebuild that trust, we must make greater use of the habit of truth telling and living by the truth. This requires personal discipline. This requires discernment. This requires diligence. May God help us so to do. We pray, O oh God, especially for those who have become recent victims of the COVID, for those who have lost loved ones, for those who work in the public health arena and have to battle this disease every day, for governments and policymakers, and for our people. May we do the right thing. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>